This is the business of sports. Let's talk Super Bowl and Fox Sports. Every single thing that occurs, I want people to remember this is a business. Guaranteed money isn't necessarily guaranteed. Michael Barr. How high can these valuations go? Scott Soshnank. Duke. Everybody loves rooting against them, right? Evan Novi Williams. Off the field, the NBA has never been buzzier. And the leaders in the sports industry. Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred. Mike Oresco, he's the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference. Jared Smith, president of Ticketmaster. Mindy race car driver, Elio Castroneves. Bloomberg Business of Sports. From Bloomberg Radio. Hello, I'm Michael Bond. I'm Evan Novi Williams. And I'm Scott Soshnick. Every week at this time, plus Mondays and Wednesdays, we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. Coming up, we speak with XFL CEO Oliver Luck and President Jeffrey Pollack. That is straight ahead, but first let's look at some of the top stories of the week. And let's start, uh, it involves a sale and it involves Spotify. What's going on? Yeah, Bill Simmons. Everybody knows Bill from the Bill Simmons uh, ESPN time yes. and he created when he left he created something called the ringer which in essence is a a podcast network that generates tens of millions of dollars in revenue and he's selling the whole shebang to Spotify yeah I mean Spotify obviously excited about this one of the things that, that caught me Spotify CEO Daniel Eck uh, said that we bought the new ESPN yeah, that's the only part I think it was wrong this. that was the only part of the whole thing I think it was wrong that makes no sense to me the, the, <laughs> yeah Ringer is not the new ESPN I'm not sure if there is a new ESPN out there but it's certainly not the Ringer yeah I mean the ESPN the thing that they have that is so valuable is live sports live rights sports, and yeah. the Ringer uh, to my knowledge has no live sports rights uh, but the podcast world is expanding rapidly uh, it's an industry that you know, there's a lot of ad money. There is not a lot of overhead. It doesn't require a whole lot of people. Um, so, you know, I understand kind of the business interest there. And for Spotify, you know, a premium service that is always looking for, you know, exclusive premium content. Uh, I can understand, you know, their desire to get their hands on on a network that seems to be, you know, continually expanding and, and, and putting out new things. What they have found is that podcast listeners are more easily converted to premium customers. Mm. And if you can do that with the Bill Simmons content and his following, you can make yourself a few nickels. Sure. And his stuff is not just sports, obviously. They're, they have a, they do a lot of pop culture. They do a lot of movies, et cetera. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're, there's a wide reach there that goes beyond just the sports consumer. I, I'm, I'm going to bring this up before we move on to the next topic. Remember how ESPN started. They picked up those sports that nobody at the time really Still wanted. love me some strongman competition. Yes. Magnus ver Magnuson rolling the an barrel somewhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Remember barrel jumping? That was great, yeah. man. I love that, man. Yes. So maybe Cut, we'll Cutting down that. the logs. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Bring back Battle of the Network Stars. I'm on record. No, no. Let's not do that. Uh, let's... <laughs> Actually, that was kind of cool. That was great. Eric Estrada, Suzanne Summers. Yeah, I, actually, I did like great that. content. Uh, anyway, uh, moving right along, uh, let's talk about the sailing league. And Scott, this is your story, and uh, there is something brewing in that. What's happening? Yeah, Larry Ellison two years ago started something called Sail GP with Russell Coots, You know, the America's Cup captain. I think he's won five America's Cups. Uh, it's an international uh, challenge cup where it's like. Uh, country versus country. They're in, I think there's five or seven teams at this point. But um, Endeavor, uh, here we go again with with Endeavor. Uh, they have UFC. They have the Pro uh, pro Rodeo Cowboys. Um, they're oh, buying in. It, it, it values the sailing league at $200 million. We don't know the stake Endeavor is buying, but we do know the valuation now of the league is $200 million. Larry Ellison, one of the world's richest folks, uh, he is going to fund this thing until it becomes commercially viable, and then they'll set up sort of a franchise operation, 
Endeavor will certainly help them to get there faster with the synergies and expertise. Yeah, we that's the key, in, in my opinion. We talk a lot about you know strategic partnerships. This seems like a perfect <laughs> example of, of, them, of, yes. of what that is. And and we've talked to folks at the UFC about the same idea also. You know, Endeavor. You know, given its background, the wealth of the things that it's in right now, from talent agency to you know production studio, etc. Um, you really understand you know the benefits that a sports league can get from partnering with them. Not just getting the the cash infusion that's coming here, but also you know the expertise. You got, from all you got to things. know what you don't know, and we're going to be talking to the XFL, uh, you know, Brain Trust uh, coming up later in the show. They outsource tickets to Elevate Sports Ventures. Mm-hmm. You got to know what you don't know. There's only so much you can do. They understand that at uh, CLGP. Moving along, Bruce Kepka, golfer, uh, Bruce Kepka. No comment. Not yeah. talking. It, Can't do it. Well, now I, I got to let me explain. He says he is not going to do interviews. As the tournament is well, no, continuing. I don't mind him saying, I'm not going to do it. What I mind is, in the, is him saying, I don't know of another league where they do. Really? Really, Bruce? Do you not know where the world is headed? Well, Let's, we're going to turn him on to Paul Rabel. I, I get it. We're going to turn I, him I on to the what XFL. You're saying, but as the game is going on, yes. as, as, as he's on the course, yes. I, in, in fact, I have to be honest, I didn't know that they were even doing this. Until he brought the, this. The problem up. is one of the golfers did it and then got called for slow play, like got yeah. warned for slow play. I'm, they're going to be hiccups, of course, and there have to be allowances. If a guy does an on-course field interview, and I know that you know timing thing in golf is very important, maybe you back off and say, "All right, we just want to let you know a little slow. Like we got we got to fix that." But this is for the good of sports in general. This is where it's headed. Don't give me the I'm not doing it yeah, line. I'll give you the reason why I love this comment. <laughs> um, and I say that with the caveat that Brooks Kepka should not be the PGA commissioner. He should be, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it's, it's unquestionable. This is the kind of access, and we talk about this with the XFL folks as well, this is the kind of access that fans want. Yes. And, and getting into a golfer's head in the middle of a round is the kind of thing that might make more people willing to watch golf, and that's great. So if, But maybe yeah, not an interview. Maybe just micing them up. Let me hear the conversation between the caddy also, and the golfer. Also, also cool. Also totally fine. Yeah. So, okay, now that part I'll go for. Thank you. In that yeah. regard, golf should be doing innovative things, and Brooks Kepler should not be the one holding the reins to that. Yeah. Why I like this is that I've, I've said this for a while, and golf is one of those sports that I think needs a villain. And Brooks Kepka, who is a tremendous, you know, he might be the best golfer in the world right now, uh, has shown tendencies that he might be willing to be that person, to be kind of crotchety, to speak his mind when he thinks players are are playing too slowly, to get very aggravated when he's left off of the best athletes in America lists and things like that. I think that if Brooks Kepka embraces this role as the guy who runs his <laughs> mouth off, maybe bothers people, rubs people the wrong way, I think that's also great for golf. Well, I got to, I have to support Brooks Kepka. I agree with him. You don't. Listen, if you're in the middle of a football game and you're on the sideline and you're trying to figure out a play, you don't have the sideline player, a sideline announcer going over to Tom Brady or whatever. It's like, hey, listen, are you going to run this play next or this well, and that? Whatever? That doesn't happen. No, well, tell me about Rabel had the guy mic'd up as he won the face off, ran down the field, as scored he, the goal, and was being interviewed. But as he, he was playing. I agree, I agree with you. That <laughs> is a cool thing. thing but <laughs> That's it, where it's headed. Uh, anyway. Okay, whatever. <laughs> now let's get to this week's interview. So you miss football. You miss the NFL. The Super Bowl's over. Oh, and you're crying. I get it. But football is coming back with the XFL. And with us, we have CEO Oliver Luck and President Jeff Pollock. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Thanks for having us. Good to be here. I, I'm going to start with the rules no, changes. No, 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 we're not starting with rules changes. How are you guys doing? Wait a minute. No, we're not going right. How are you guys doing? 
I'm doing great. It's a long great. road to this. To this. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing great. We're ready to go. We're excited and uh, can't wait to kick off. How are you doing? I have a problem this morning, Jeff. What's your problem? I put on a pair of socks that, unbeknownst to me at the time of wearing, do not have the elasticity to not slip into the shoe. You interrupted my question for that. Yes. <laughs> yes. We have to humanize. We have to humanize. Uh, I, I'm struggling. So if I'm off my game, it's because the for, socks First slip. of all, I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad to hear you're now wearing socks because <laughs> for those of you that know you, your fashion uh, sensibility uh, doesn't Don't sometimes play the role cover, my wife. cover all the bases. Play the role. My wife I, calls I, it homeless chic. I am just happy you're not one of our equipment managers. That would be embarrassing uh, game day if the socks kept sliding down. But that's an important thing. How important is presentation oh, right out of the bat? Critically the way important. people look. How much time critically have you spent important. on that? Tell me about how's it going to look. No, so you know, this is this is very important to our league and, and really to most leagues, right? We have uniform uh, officials, you know, folks before the game in the locker room, out when the guys are warming up, that make sure that they're wearing the proper uniform. There's a very very particular uniform code that exists, and it exists exists at all level levels of football. Of course, and you know, a referee can throw a guy out of the game if he's not wearing his uniform properly. There's a safety issue as well, mm -hmm. but it's very important. The, the NFL has those spotters. If you have a message on, if your socks are wrong, you get fined. Are we getting fined in the XFL too? Uh-oh, uh they don't know. We're, we're going to make them run the stadium steps. <laughs> <laughs> not far. What did you want to know? No, I, well, it was the, the greatest rule change, I think, in football, and I think this could carry over to the NFL. I love it that there are only going to be four timeouts total for the XFL. That's a great idea. Well, thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing this is about like millennial attention span. People don't want breaks. They want action. Well, so we started off this exercise really a year and a half ago talking to fans. right? We wanted to make sure we really knew what fans wanted from our game. So we spent a lot of time with focus groups and market research. And they came back with advice for us, guidance for us. That really wasn't surprising. They said, we love professional football. It's a great game. It's America's favorite sport. But... Let's pick up the pace a little bit. Let's play a little bit faster. There's too many breaks, too many interruptions. Let's get back into that sort of rhythm and flow that, that players and coaches and fans like. So as we designed these rules, we kept all of those things in mind. And that's a fairly easy thing to do. You don't have three timeouts per half. You have two. And, you know, we think that'll cut down on the interruptions but during they, the course of the game. But if you've got the rhythm, then the other R on the other side, however, is the revenue because that break is a revenue opportunity how do you balance the revenue versus the rhythm well we still obviously want to make sure that our broadcast partners have you know the the ad time that they need to uh, generate some revenue so it's a it's a balancing act you know we wanted to make sure that we could design a game that's fast paced that's up tempo scoring points more or less the same number of plays you'd get in an NFL game which is about 170 average and get it done in 3 hours that's that's very important that's really sort of the mechanics that we were working with uh, Jeff, let me let me bring you in on this and I and I mean this is a very simple question but I, I would not know where do you start you came in not at the very beginning but you then come in and you have this new league launching. What do you do? Can you quickly elevator pitch me through week one? I mean, I'm sure you're drinking from the fire hose. Week one a year ago. So what I could say is when I started, there were 25 people working in the league office. I think two in business operations. Uh, we are now almost a thousand strong uh, with our players, and that all happened in the space of 12 months. 
Um, it's an audacious undertaking. This has been a wild year. Uh, but we have put together an organization that is world-class, uh, professional. Uh, I like to say uh, stocked with rock stars, uh, people that are uh, well-established and experienced in sports and entertainment and media. And uh, it's just been go, go, go from the very beginning. But we're, we're ready to kick off. Let's talk about timing. You know, obviously no coincidence that, you know, the week after the Super Bowl is when you guys are launching. Talk us through how you decided, you know, to do just a week between as opposed to maybe waiting a little bit longer. How did that decision get made? There couldn't be a better time to launch a league like this. We're coming uh, right after the highest point in football on the planet. And, And our entire thesis is providing more football to the millions of Americans that crave it. And that's what we're set up to do. There's no sport that Americans like to watch more, uh, wager on more uh, than football. And we're in the business of providing more. This is something, obviously, that has been tried before. There have been there have been a number of attempts at, at another professional football league. A lot of them have not lasted particularly long. What makes XFL different in your eyes? What is kind of the secret sauce that, that maybe others did not do well enough that, that you think you guys will? I love this question. And, and Oliver and I were asked this yesterday by someone who said, now here's the hardest question we're going to ask. And I always say, this is my favorite question. <laughs> well, I think you're prepared answer. for this one. Well, I'm glad I didn't say that. <laughs> but, 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 but it's because it's, because it's true. So there, there, I'd say there are three success factors that, that we have working in our favor. The first is that we've benefited from uh, the, the time and the resources needed to plan properly. This has all been in the works for almost two years. Oliver's had the time uh, to uh, research and develop um, uh, his vision uh, for how the game is going to be evolved. Um, and, and we've had the time to, to build the right organization that we need. Um, that time to prepare is going to extend to the time needed to grow this and earn uh, fandom. That's going to take time. There's patience here. So that's the first reason, time and resources. Second are world-class media partnerships. No league has ever launched with the broadcast footprint that we have. Every game through Fox Sports and Disney, every game is going to be nationally televised, four national windows a weekend uh, for 10 straight weeks, massive content, massive linear distribution, all at times that football fans are used to tuning in to football. And then the third factor that I really think sets us apart is our ownership. We have ownership that is well experienced in uh, knowing what it takes to build a brand over the long haul. And, and we're in this for the long haul, and we're going to give this the time it needs to grow. Gentlemen, we talked a little bit about the media. And most leagues, the tent poles are sponsorship, tickets, and media. I think it's been about a year in the NFL where media surpassed tickets. It is clearly the most important part of what you guys are doing. Tell me about the entire the entirety of the media play. You've got your networks. They'll put it out there. You need digital. You need the sports betting strategy. Give me the entirety of it all, Oliver. 
Well, clearly television is important. You know, we plan to be able to play really good football, and you want people to see that. So we're delighted with the, the power. The that kids we have. want more than football, though. Oh, they do. They, they all the other things that are part of it, right? The whole social media world is is very important to us. I think we're probably doing as good of a job as anybody could expect with our social media, given that we're just now really getting our teams formed, right, with our coaches and players, and don't have any, haven't had any live games yet. So. Um, I think our, our business ecosystem is, is fairly healthy right now. It's important to add as well that Vince really wants to build this for the long run, right? There's, a, you know, there's no sugar highs with, with this league, right? Vin, wanna... Vince knows. What's the business plan? Vince knows this venture will probably not be profitable before fill-in-the-blank years. Here's, here's the business plan. Patience. Okay. Patience. We, we, we are launching, have, are launching a 100-year brand that already has 20 years of equity built into it. We're in this for the long haul. If you were to ask me what are our measures of success for the first season, I'd say ask me at the end of the first season. What, but, are, but, what but, does that brand stand for? You say you have a brand. XFL is a brand from when it, the first iteration. But what are the adjectives that are attached to XFL? The, the X is undefined. The, Ooh, the, the, X, like the X will be the, the X will be imbued with the meaning that our fans and audience uh, decide to imbue it with. First usage of imbued ever on the show. <laughs> I, 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 first usage of imbued on the show ever. I find that hard to believe. Okay. Uh, so, do, you, do you know what the word means? I, I do. Okay, but I still, but I still think it's the first time it's ever been used. You guys have both. You guys have both used the word long haul here. What's the runway? I mean. Ideally, the XFL still exists in, in 20, 30 years and it's a tremendous success. In the event that it maybe doesn't go that well, are we guaranteed through two seasons, through three seasons? What has been set up to, to make sure that, that we're definitely going to get this far to see how far it the goes? The AAF question. We're, sure, yeah. We, I mean, that, that league shut down in the middle of the season and stranded, Tom, Tom stranded Dundon players Dundon in the hotel. Too? We're in this for the long haul. That's all I'm going to say. Okay, so no commitment in terms of how, how, how long that but the we should say is right we should, we should probably tell people that, that Vince is personally funding this league. Yes. Yeah, it's not through WWE. Right. Vince is personally funding the league. I would like to ask a question because you guys are doing something unique. Uh, the and I think that's going to be another success for the XFL. The the betting line through the broadcast and bettors can follow, especially for live bettors. If you have your online app and you're trying to bet on the game, that's huge for you guys. So uh, if if the first part of our business strategy is patience, the second part is embrace the spread. And, and Patience that, and parlays. Yes. And, and, and that means that in, in this first year, we're setting the table uh, so that we can uh, support uh, the, the interest that millions of football fans have uh, in engaging with a football product uh, through gaming, through fantasy, through legal wagering. Uh, so we're setting that table. Our broadcast partners share our spirit of innovation. And they recognize, as do we, that having a little bit of sports betting information baked into the broadcast is is a good thing to to do it's what fans want we want what our fans want so we fully support what they're doing and, and we think it's going to be exciting you know what i want what do you want scott i want biometrics i want mic'd up players i want mic'd up officials i want mic'd up coaches i want cameras in the locker room at halftime i want to be taken inside a game like i've never been done before how close am i going to get with xfl tune in saturday and you'll see Oh, but, I, but I, but I <laughs> we 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 have a a a a view that suggests that more access is a good thing. 
We want fans to get as close to our game, as inside our game as possible. Our broadcast partners share that view. You're going to hear more than you've heard before. You're going to see more than you've seen before. Oliver, you have a history, NFL Europe, something you ran for a while. When you think about long-term, the potential of maybe partnering with the NFL, something that other leagues have talked about as well, is that something that you guys may be interested in? Does that not interest you at all in terms of uh, XFL in the future? So we're building a league that uh, ideally is going to be self-sustainable, standalone league, clearly. And we also recognize that the NFL plays a major role, obviously, in professional football. We don't have a formal relationship with the National Football League. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you sort of take our staff, our coaches, certainly our players, there's probably a thousand touch points with the NFL. So you know, we're all on friendly terms with the league office. Uh, we have lots of scouts that have come down to Houston during training camp to scout players. They'll continue to do that you know, through the course of the season. Uh, so, you know, no formal relationship, but, you know, a very friendly, if you will, informal relationship with the NFL. Guys, tell me about the decision to play, not all, but mostly in NFL markets, in big stadiums. Optically could be diff difficult. Um, I'm assuming it's not cheap to get MetLife Stadium. You had options. Why pursue this route? We we want to be where football fans are. We want to be in world-class venues, which we are. Uh, and we want to be in major markets. Uh, we, we feel as though that's the right strategy to launch, and our eight initial markets are all uh, football markets in some way, uh, and our venues are terrific. Yeah, there's, also, there's a, a variety of venues as well. So we have a, a number of NFL buildings, CenturyLink in Seattle, MetLife you mentioned here in New York, Raymond James down in Tampa. But we've got an MLS building or two, uh, Audi, Audi Field in D.C., and and, of course, uh, Dignity Health out in L.A. is uh, both an NFL, Chargers, as well as, a, as an MLS building. We've got a college building in Houston. We've got a, a actually beautifully revamped baseball park, Globe Life hmm. Park, in Arlington. The hmm. Texas Rangers have moved, moved out into a new building, and they've done a good bit of work to revamp that and turn it into Nice a, of them to leave the grass. Yes, thanks very much. And, uh, <laughs> but, you know, so there's a variety of buildings, uh, and that's kind of neat as well. But they're all first-class buildings. That's really the, the, the cool part. I like to bring up uh, and is an ESPN story. I know a lot of former players are happy to hear from you, especially Landry Jones. He was the former quarterback uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers, backup, and then he was cut. And as the story goes, he was working at a construction uh, crew, uh, and he was driving a dump truck, and I think it was for minimum wage. And he said, okay, I'll do what I got to do. And then all of a sudden he gets a call from you guys. Yeah, so Landry uh, was a guy that we targeted early on in this process. He was sort of the perfect, uh, you know, had the perfect background for what we were looking for. A guy who had played and won NFL games, quality quarterback, good backup, one of the better backups around the uh, around the league from his years in Pittsburgh. Uh, still relatively young, I think six years in Pittsburgh, maybe a half a season with Jacksonville, and then and then he was back in Dallas. Uh, when when Bob Stoops became aware that Landry might have an interest, you can imagine that uh, you know he was excited about that because they they you know combined uh, in, to to have some pretty talented teams in at Oklahoma, and uh, he's done marvelously well for us. So we're excited about him. So we wanted guys really that uh, had 
significant NFL experience that had won and you know won big games, played in big games. That's that's important. The quality of our quarterback play is really going to be uh, determinative of the quality of our league, and that's that was critical to get a guy like Landry. That helped us get a Josh Johnson, who's just won games in the in the league. Matt McGloin, who's won game. Right. You know, some of those characters are are some really good really good quarterbacks for us. I just think that also that the players themselves, so far as the linemen. Uh, all these guys, maybe they played in arena football and they're trying to, to get into uh, the league. And and I'm telling you, they're grateful because now they can play football on a professional level. Well, you know, one of the things that uh, is really neat about all of our players is they've, they've all got a little chip on their shoulder, right? Somewhere along the way, they feel like they haven't been given their proper due, that some scout missed on them or whatever. So that, I think, is going to be a, just a great motivator for them as they go into the season. I sensed that in training camp as we went through a bunch of uh, joint scrimmages and, and, and mock games. Uh, they've all got a chip. Some some chips are bigger than others, uh, but I think that's going to be a great motivator for these guys. What are the contracts for the players? Should they get called by an NFL team? Can they leave? What 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 happens? So the players are under contract to us, obviously. And once our season is over, which is April 26, our championship game, uh, players at that point are free uh, to accept an NFL opportunity if they have one. Got it. All right. I, I would assume every player that that's the goal to get back to. Or, or there, vast majority of the guys that's they they'd like a, a second or a third or a fourth or whatever num- number you know shot uh, in the league. Uh, some guys though are, are are have said, listen, I'm not interested in the NFL. I played for four or five years. You know, I just want to continue to play and and I want to make the XFL my home. But for the majority of guys, certainly the motiv- one of the motivating factors is to get to the NFL. How important is stardom? Do you need stars? In the Big Four, stars play a big role in the promotion of the game. Do you guys need stars, or is it just the totality of the offering? My view is that we need stories to start. We we need great stories. Give me and, the best and, story and, in the and, XFL and, right and, now. And from those, our launch, and from those stories will come stars. But you can't fabricate that. It has to come naturally. Jeffrey, I want to ask you a question that we asked Paul Rabel, who started the Premier Lacrosse League, uh, when he was in the studio a couple months ago. When you have teams, you know, you guys have teams that don't really have much of a history right now. How do you kind of from a business standpoint start to create, you know, kind of reputations and and themes and cultures around different teams so that you have, you know, teams like the Patriots and teams like the Cowboys, right? The NFL gets so much equity from the fact that, you know, team people love to hate this team or this team's the lovable losers. And how do you, when, when there's no history, kind of create separation around the brands, be it, you know, the DC team or the New York team or the Seattle team? It's a great question. We, we've, we've invited our, our communities, our fan bases, our players, our coaches to really now co-create the meaning of each of our eight brands. You're right. Mm-hmm. There is no history at all. We haven't played a game. This is all starting from, from scratch. And and it's you know we we've we've come up with a look for each team. Each team has its own specially designed ball. We've come up with I think exciting brand names. But what they stand for, uh, what what they mean, that that is really going to be written by the fans in those communities and by the players and coaches on those teams. I can't tell you how that's going to play out. The rivalries that that form, sure. um, in in an interesting kind of a way, there's already one brewing on social media uh, between Tampa and St. Louis that just seems to have how ign- did that ignited. Happen? I'm not quite sure, but it seems to have maybe Oliver knows, but it's just ignited on its own. That must make um, you thrilled, right? 
It's great. Yeah. And, and there's already a character in St. Louis, uh, Mother Hawk, I think her name is, who's you know put her hand up as one of our most you know rabid fans, again, without even having played a game. I think that you know at the end of this season, uh, you'll start to see some of the contours of what these brands really come to mean, but it's so early. And, and if you believe what we're saying, which is that we're launching you know, a 100-year brand in the XFL, uh, these brands will be hundred year brands. How do you, as well. how do you but, get to that? How but, do you get to the hundred? I mean, how do you get to the hundred year brand? What do you mean by that? What What I mean is that we're launching something for the long haul, right? So uh, it, it's about taking a, a perspective that what we're doing isn't just for the moment, but it's it's for the long haul. It's it's the aspiration. It's the intention to to create a truly uh, professional sports league uh, that is around for a long time to come. Oliver, shifting gears for a second, uh, your son, Andrew Luck, stepped away from football last year at the age of 29. Part of what seems to be a growing number of players, Luke Keekley as well, last year, you know, retired before 30. Uh, do you think that we are maybe seeing kind of a resetting of, of what the, 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 the length of a career in professional football is? Or, or are those guys maybe more one-offs than... Than a trend. There's probably a, a slight increase in those uh, guys who are in a position to make their own determination of when their career is over. Usually, for guys like me, we were told when our careers were done, you're cut. <laughs> but if I, you can I, do it on your own terms, that's a win. <laughs> that's right. No, so I think if you can do it like Luke Keekley did on your own terms and decide, okay, I've played X number of years and you know I've, I've gotten out of the game what I wanted to get out of the game, uh, then, then I think it, I, I admire those decisions. Mm-hmm. I, I really do. So this probably, given the pay scales that exist now in the National Football League, given the awareness that guys have in terms of you know the physical consequences of playing football, it's a it's a rough game. It's a tough game. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there's 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 probably a slight uptick in those guys who say, okay, I've I've played six or eight or ten or whatever number of years, I'm I'm out. The NFL was founded long before we knew what those ramifications were of the game xfl not you guys are kind of forming your league at a time when we know a lot more about the science how does that kind of weigh into the or how do you weigh that and how does that factor into the way that you guys have set up yeah so as we started our process uh, one of the things that uh, you know we wanted to really focus on is is the health and safety of our players it's our human capital that's very important and so we put together a medical advisory board it's led by a a doctor named julian bales former steelers team neurosurgeon he's now up at uh, northwestern north shore in Chicago. And we wanted to make sure as we looked at all these rule changes and potential innovations, wanted to make sure that the things we were doing were actually improving health and safety of the players. And if you look at our kickoff, kickoff if you look at our punt, right. you know, I think you'd come away and say, oh, that's, uh, it, as you'd come away like our doctors did and said, oh, that, that makes some sense. That's going to be better for the players. You know, Evan so. played lightweight football at Princeton. <laughs> Less concussions. <laughs> it's a good thing. How do you put a camera in the shoes? Is, is that do I am I reading? That I, I'm right? not aware this is I, happening. So I, 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 don't, I don't know. Now it's got socks. I don't know what you just said. Uh, no, I'm. Hey, Michael, you should, you should patent it before they take. There the are cameras everywhere. This there. is our own mother hall. That's there. like an ancient proverb or riddle. How do you put a camera in the shoes? Will there be a camera in the shoes one day? Not apparently in Scott's shoe because his sock has slipped down and taken up all the space. Michael, when you were young, did you walk to school or carry your lunch? I had my kung fu lunchbox. Wow, I love it. I'm. We don't. We don't have any. Norm- uh, we don't. We have no plans for cameras in the shoes. Let me just state that. Thank you for a great idea. He goes. That would be a great. So the guy who comes up with this is that would be a great idea. Normally, I'd say let's get out on that, but I'm going to give one more before we're done. 
<laughs> I love it. One, will there be a national anthem? And two, must a player stand for it? Uh, there will be a national anthem uh, at every game, and, and players will stand and respect the flag. And if they do not? There will be consequences. Pink slip in the locker. <laughs> Got it. All right, Oliver Luck, CEO, Jeffrey Pollock, president, XFL, getting ready to kick off. We'll see what happens. Woo-hoo. Thank you. Get some new socks. <laughs> <laughs> Talking to Oliver and Jeffrey, that was really cool. I still say a camera in the shoes <laughs> doubling down. would work. I am doubling down on this. That would be another visual. You're, that not, I you're think... not worried about everybody getting nauseous with the it, movement? The stabilizer you yeah. would need on that Well, what camera. you would do is that, let's say, for instance, you, you've got the, the camera uh, as the quarterback is getting ready for the snap, and there is the, the camera in the shoe. Yeah, or it, the helmet cam, which we You could have seen. the helmet cam, but yeah. you've got the, the ground. The moment they start bit. moving, okay. what happens? The well, then, you, gets you know, it's not going to work. <laughs> I'm uh, rooting for it. For me, it's, a, it's about the media. This is all about, for me, if I'm going to watch this league, and I think if a, a large swath of fans are going to watch this league, particularly younger folks, they have got to give me some new offerings. And Jeffrey wouldn't answer, but he did say, stay tuned and watch. I mean, I do want the biometrics. I want to know what's the quarterback heart rate when he's going for the the winning drive compared to when his resting heart rate. I want to know how fast that guy was running. I want to know the the collision force when a tackle was made. You can measure these things, and I think it would make for a very very fun and interesting broadcast. Yeah, I was interested in what they were saying about you know the the, the long haul you know a word that was used a lot. You know, Jeffrey mentioned Patience. the the hundred year uh, the hundred year horizon, uh, and yet you know no commitment in terms of guaranteed no matter what happens if this is going to happen for one year for two years etc um so you know no question that they seem to be building for the longer term both you know in in the run-up to it you know planning for longer and also maybe building in so a longer horizon for growing fans growing the fan base growing the media as you're talking about the one thing um, that but no I, commitment in terms of guaranteed this this thing will make it to year two the one thing that that i would point out though obviously vince mcmahon is funding this personally yeah but he does generate much of his wealth from WWE. For sure. So that is obviously subject to the fluctuation as we have seen mm-hmm. recently in WWE share prices. You you wonder, does one one day affect the other? Sure. Good question. So like the situation now might be markedly different than a year or two or three. Absolutely. P- positive or negative. But just thought I'd throw it out there. My goal is to be the number one pick. That's something I've been dreaming of since kids. It feels better to be number one than number five. I wear the number because of Mike. We have a chance to go for three in a row. Good numbers at a good time. When I first started wearing that number, I was just happy and proud. Bloomberg Business of Sports, the number of the week. Time now for the number of the week, and time now for you guys out there listening to play along with us. Here is the question. you got to come up with the number. How much did it cost from this the Super Bowl now history, to get an Uber after the Super Bowl to Miami Beach. I like this. This is the one I sent you, right? That's the one you sent. And I, 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 I know I, there were troubles. I know it was not easy, I, so I, it's I don't not $5. But, but uh, in the business of sports, why can't yeah. somebody get this right? Why can't somebody? You know there's going to be massive demand. The cars should be waiting in an area where everybody knows where to go. It just makes me angry that people cannot get this I right. I can answer that, I think, partially. Okay. Is that a lot of these stadiums were built before the idea of Uber was happening, right? So the idea of a lot of cars right after the game coming into the parking lots, in addition to leaving the parking lots, was something I don't think a lot of these designers 
built into the model of how the the flow of traffic was going to work during the game. Somewhere close they can come with with ten minutes left in the game, whatever. It seems like it would be easy, but I, I mean, at, at MetLife Stadium, I'm not calling them out, but I've waited in some horrible lines before. I've, I've waited like, with you. Yeah, and it seems like this Miami issue was the same thing in that the problem was that drivers couldn't get to the area to pick them up. It wasn't even an exit problem. It was a drivers couldn't get into the parking. And we need to have sort of a ride share of buses from lo- different locations. Uh, I agree a- anyway, you. especially for big events like this. But I, so, I wonder if, you know, new stadiums like what's being built yeah. in, in LA or in Las Vegas are going to factor in the, you know, the idea that a lot of cars need to get in to pick people up. Yeah, good thing nobody away. drives in LA. <laughs> so the, what's it going to, what did it set me answer. back if I tried to get there? Yeah, so I'm going to say a hundred and... hundred? Uh, no. Oh, easy. The price easily is maxed out. No, I'm, I'm saying a hundred more. Oh, I mean, oh, yeah. And I buy you, but I really don't remember. I'll say, I'll no say 175. No. I, I'm, I'm, I'm on the yodeling guy going up the hill. Higher, higher. You're right. Yeah. Price is maxed out. Three hundred thirty-five dollars. Three to go from the stadium to South Beach. Yep, to Miami Beach. Man, that's. that's I would not say that's that like the cost of a ticket, but it's very much not yeah, the cost not of a ticket. <laughs> cost for two minutes of the game. Uh, by the way, before before we wrap this up, did you see the clip? Of a guy now he pays thousands of dollars the for this super bar, and he's sleeping. Yes, if if I were to tell the truth, bar, but and I didn't want my employer to know it, uh, as I've told you guys, I believe in this in the Super Bowl in San Diego, I believe it was the Broncos. I believe um, it's a long week. I was there by myself covering lots of stories, but I fell asleep during the third quarter. <laughs> A lot of people do. <laughs> You've been listening to the Bloomberg Business of Sports. We are here each and every week at the same time, plus online, wherever you get your podcasts. You can catch those Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. I'm Michael Barr on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. I'm Scott Soshnick. You can follow me at Soshnick. And I'm Evan Novi Williams at Novi underscore Williams. Thanks for joining us. You can tune in next week. We're speaking with Steve Phelps, the president of NASCAR. They've got the Daytona <laughs> 500 coming up bar, and we're yeah. going to be talking all about it. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, buddy. You know what they should have? Cameras in the tires. Yeah. <laughs> they used to have a camera. They used to call it the dog cam, and the camera was right on the A-frame, and it's right outside. It's like if you saw the shot of your dog hanging out the window, that's the shot you would get. See, they put the cameras everywhere. I see what you did. You're, you're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports and Bloomberg Radio around the world.